Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry Jerome Roland over there. Uh, and this is Stuff You Should Know. For a second there, I thought you said Jerry the Drone Roland. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what a weird nickname. Yeah. Jerry talks like this. Oh, as in droning. I was thinking she was like a remote control plane with a camera attached. No, that's not what I meant. Or that she was bombing women and children. No, not that either. <laughs> I didn't even say that. I said Jerry Jerome. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. You feeling all right today? Yes. You? How was your sleep? You know, dude, I have uh, all but stopped drinking lately. Oh, yeah? Lately. Okay. And so I'm sleeping like a champ. Yeah, and waking up like a champ, too, I imagine, right? Makes a big difference. Huge, especially at our age. Yeah, I've only uh, had the alcohol once in the past two weeks. Wow. And um, I'm sleeping so good, I'm kind of like... I mean, I'm not quitting drinking, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't sound like you need to. No, but I, I, it's uh, it just one day became two, became three, and I was mm-hmm. sleeping like a champ. Mm-hmm. And this is after a couple of nights of bad sleep mm-hmm. due to too much booze. Yeah. So I'm like, man, that's kind of nice. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, life is enjoyable. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway. I, I think it's super healthy to, and I, you and I have talked about this before, I think it's super healthy to do at least a, a month out of the year. Straight through, where you're just like, I'm not having a, a drop. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It's just good for you. Yeah, I had a, a couple of years ago, I went exactly one month without a single drink, and I still ate like crap, mm-hmm. did not exercise, and I dropped like 13 pounds Oh yeah, just from not consuming alcohol. From uh, beer? No, I don't drink much beer. That's right. But, I mean, you know, gin and tonic, it's a ton of calories. Yeah, that's, I drink diet tonic when I have a gin and tonic. You get used to it. And there's good diet tonic out there. Like, you just have to treat yourself. Uh, I guess so. I've, I've never, diet tonic really tastes gross. Like, to me. the, the swill that they have in, like, the little liter bottles that's diet, that's. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's good? Like, the, the handmade brands? Like fever, like the... fever tree? Yeah, oh. like the crafted stuff. Okay. Like, like artisan tonic. Yeah, tonic for rich people. Yeah. <laughs> tonic made by a guy whose mustache is waxed. Well, I'll have to try that then. Uh, I think you should. And yeah, it is expensive, but just don't, don't drink eight gin and tonics. Yeah. You know, or gins and tonic. What would William Sapphire say? Gins and tonics? Probably. I, uh, I told Emily the other day, I was like, I wish you could drink into your mouth and taste it and have a nice little effect afterward and have it just leak out a tube in the side of your body. <laughs> I think that's called like a stoma. So you don't get the calories or the, uh, you know, the lingering effects. Yeah. And she said, yeah, it's probably good that you're not drinking. <laughs> you're like, no, really, let, let's flesh this out. Yeah. Like, there's got to be a way to do it. So, um. Anyway, long way of saying I'm sleeping great. I'm glad. I'm glad. Have you, uh, ever been falling asleep? And, uh, right as you were about to enter the land of slumber? Sure. Got your saw out, putting it to a log. You haven't started sawing yet, but you're about to, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden, boom! And you sit bolt upright, and you're like, what? What was that? I don't think so. I, I can tell you for a fact that's never happened to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's never happened to me, but um, unless I'm misremembering. I, I, I just don't see how you could 
forget something like this. It seems pretty significant. You know no, what I mean? I agree. So we're talking about exploding head syndrome, which uh, before we started recording, you were angry. You weren't angry. I'm always angry. <laughs> so not true. You were... Uh, <laughs> no, it is. I need help. You were picking at the t- the name of the syndrome because mm-hmm. it's very... Uh, Overblown? Yeah, to say the least. Exploding head syndrome. Uh, what would you say it should have been called? Uh, what crazy something sleepy like sound syndrome, sl- sleepy head, loud noise, right thing or something. Or what? What? What syndrome? <laughs> or I'm trying to sleep. I got work in the morning syndrome. Stupid yeah. brain. I could do this for an hour. Well, maybe we should. Okay, release it as a blooper reel. So, exploding head syndrome is <laughs> a uh, a nighttime hallucination. Uh, also, you can classify it as a parasomnia. Yeah. Did we do one specifically on sleep paralysis or just talk about it a lot? No, and buddy, it deserves its own. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. I know we talked a lot about it in, in sleepwalking. Sleepwalking. and Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yeah, I think we did one on sleep, period, too, didn't we? Or did we? Mm, I think so. It's hard to recall. We Yeah, but for the most part, we have skirted around it. And I think we should continue to because I think it definitely deserves its own its own episode. So we should continue to skirt around it? Yeah. <laughs> By not doing it. No, no, no. I mean in this episode. Oh, 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 sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it deserves its own freestanding, standalone, vertically integrated episode. Gotcha. Called. Uh, What's the deal with sleep paralysis? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so this is a nighttime hallucination uh, or a parasomnia, like I said. Mm-hmm. Of which sleep paralysis is as well. That's all I'm going to say. Don't give it away. Uh, and here's the deal. Like you described, you're either already asleep or I think a little more typically falling asleep. Yeah. And you hear a loud, loud, booming sound like a gun or an explosion. Symbols crashing. That's a good one. Something that catches your attention. What else? Um, Falling down the steps. A big person carrying a drum set falling down the steps. <laughs> right. One of those one-man bands falling down some stairs. <laughs> totally. Which everybody wants to see. Even if you don't have like a meme bone in your body, you still kind of want to see something like that. Just for yeah, the, just to see how it sounds. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It might play a little tune. You never know. On the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Yakety sax. Right. Uh, so it's a, dis- a genuine disorder. And I did a little Facebook survey. Yeah. Hats off to you, man. You're basically a citizen scientist now. <laughs> were, did, did, were, was the, were the respondents all weird? No. They're were they weird? Stuff you should know followers, so they're... Oh, I, I know what you mean. The acronym weird. Right. Well, I meant it both ways. Okay. <laughs> they were neither. No, we have like a very wide demographic. It's great. Yeah, it is good. Uh, and basically, I just said... Has anyone ever been afflicted with exploding head syndrome? Mm-hmm. Then I explained it because a lot of people, as we'll find, like responded with, oh, my God, that's a thing. Yes, I have it. That's really cool. That showed up in one of the articles that we researched. Yeah. Um, and I got about 150, by the time I cut it off, <laughs> respondents wow. that said yes. And about, Wait a minute. Huh? You got 150 yes responses to whether or not... 150 total responses, including like comments on responses. Uh And I would guess probably 100 of those were affirmatives. That's amazing. And about 
70% of those are women. Did you notice how much reach that post got? Can you figure out like roughly what percentage of people who saw that responded? Well, we could, but I did not take the time. Okay. <laughs> this is still, it's an amazing response. Yeah, I mean, I've got off to you. A, lot, a lot of, con- well, it really wasn't that hard. But I think it's neat. It shows a lot of initiative. It is neat. Um, I've, I uh, got a lot of responses. Um, Meredith said it used to happen a lot, but now not so much. Uh, it's even worse when the baby is sleeping. Interesting. Oh, because she's worried that the baby's falling out of the bed. Mm. Uh, Caitlin, it happened only once. Um, yes, I have it frequently from Melissa. Man, this is so bizarre. Uh, Lauren said I tried to explain it uh, to my family, and they thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a distant exploding noise for me though. It doesn't startle. So that may not be it. And a few of these, it may. That might, that might be the mining operation <laughs> off the edge of the county. Uh, Sue. Yes, it sounds like a gunshot. No pain or anything like that, but it is startling. Most people in here, crack of a baseball bat hitting a ball. Wow. From Christiane. Yeah, you're right. They are mostly women, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's dudes in here too. I'm just not reading those. Um, <laughs> you're here's- ignoring them. Here's a guy, Adam, not, well, not exactly. Jonathan, yes, I live near a train. All right, guys, let's. (laughs) Jeffrey, yes, I have it. Thought there was something seriously wrong with me, but then I heard the term on a radio story, and I realized what was happening. It's a huge relief. So what, what all these people are saying, and this is, this is astounding, right? Like, it is. What you're reading, directly reflects what we found in our research yeah, for this article, right? That has been published here, there, very scattershot in, um, in, in medical journals. And look for Chuck's study, by the way, in the Lancet this fall. <laughs> um, that, that this is the, the pattern, this is the description or the experience of exploding head syndrome. Yeah, no pain. No. Uh, nothing more than a inconvenience, really. Other than, I guess it could like trigger a heart attack. Yeah, and and that's one of the uh, associated symptoms. So yeah. you're falling asleep. You're almost about to sleep. Suddenly there's a very loud, sharp noise. Yeah, in your head. Yeah, but it's just in your head. But yeah. it wakes you, arouses you very suddenly, and usually scares the bejesus out of you. Sure. So tachycardia or very fast or irregular heartbeat is is one of the reported symptoms. Yeah. Um, of exploding head syndrome. Yeah, they can. Uh, it can go on. A bunch of nights in a row. It can be very sporadic. It can happen once. Yeah, once and never happen again. And yeah, I think one of those. Said that. Yeah, it's so, just uh, amazing. Yeah, and it's unusual that um, a few people said it happened to me when I was a kid because it seems like it does not happen that often with children. No, there's. Um, but it can. One reported, at least one reported case of a ten year old, but apparently it mostly seems to uh, onset in the fifties, a person's fifties. Yeah. And that women tend to be at a higher risk for it, as your findings suggest. Yeah, and I did not, um, I didn't like be a creep and try and determine how old these people were. Oh, okay. I wasn't like, oh, this, this dude looks like he's 40-ish. <laughs> this lady's gotta be 60. Gotcha. <laughs> I just left that one alone, you know? I thought you were gonna say, like, you weren't gonna be a creep by being like, you smell nice to, like, every response. <laughs> no. This guy, I can't tell, cause he just has an avatar of a Mortal Kombat character <laughs> yeah which means he's like 40 oh. ouch should we take a break yeah all right let's do it all 
All right. Where does all this come from, sir? It comes from your head. Where was this first described, sir? Oh, uh, the, back in the, I think, 1870s. Yeah, 1876. There was a guy for, stand by for the most 1870s name you'll hear today, Silas Weir Mitchell. Yeah. And uh, he was a physician who apparently was a magnet for exploding head syndrome. Oh, really? Well, he described several cases of his, among his patients. Yeah. Um, and he was, as far as anyone knows, the first in the medical literature to describe exploding head syndrome. He didn't call it that, though. He called them sensory discharges. But what he described was clearly what we now understand as exploding head syndrome. Yeah, he had one patient called Mr. V. That's who he called it. It? Him? Uh, right, the guy's real name was Mr. V, spelled V-E-E, <laughs> but he abbreviated it as Mr. V. Uh, he said he experienced a, quote, sense of a pistol shot or a blow on the head, end quote. Man. And uh, he complained of a noise in my head, which is sometimes like the sound of a bell, which has been struck once, or else I hear a loud noise, which is most like that of a guitar string, mm-hmm. rudely struck, which breaks with a twang. Mm-hmm. And I presume he did not live above a, uh, a folk singing cafe. <laughs> Man. You know what you do when you live above one of those. You move. move. Yeah. Uh, so, like you said, um, Silas went on to say it's a snapping of the brain. Uh, then a little bit later, and, well, not a little bit, 1988, that's a lot of it, a neurologist from uh, the U.K. named John M.S. Pierce mm-hmm. of the whole Royal Infirmary. Man, that is super British. And in The Lancet, yeah, one of the great medical journals, uh, he is the one, I believe, that gave it its name, correct? Yeah, we can really lay the misunderstanding at this guy's feet. <laughs> For giving it this awesome name. Yeah. He was like, "That's I'm going to celebrate finishing this paper and naming it Exploding Head Syndrome by watching Miami Vice. <laughs> That was still on in 1988, wasn't it? I don't know. Did you watch that? Sometimes. It yeah. was a little a little old for me. Yeah, probably. Like, I was like, man, that boat is so fast. Right. Man, that guy's blazer's so pastel. Yeah. That was about the extent of Miami Vice for me. Yeah, that was kind of the extent of the show. <laughs> was it? <laughs> no, it was good. I watched it. I it was good. Michael Mann, wasn't it? Like, a yeah. Michael Mann m- movie every uh-huh. every week. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, he... I think he got it going and then oh. stayed executive producer. Although I, I might be wrong. I don't know. Who knows? I think he did the movie version, too, like the, the remake years later. Surely he did. Which I did not I see. I mean, it's got him written all over it. Heat, uh, though, I think uh-huh. that was his best one. Ooh, yeah. Good movie. Although, did he do To Live and Die in L.A.? I don't know. I love that movie, though. Yeah. If he didn't, he should have. But that's a great movie. I think that might have been him. You're correct. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck. <laughs> I know that this is a tangent. I'm trying to avoid it, but I just can't let it stand. I think that Michael Mann accused whoever did to live and die in L.A. of ripping him off somehow. What? Yeah. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Which means not necessarily. <laughs> well, I had a great theme song. I know that. Yeah. Wang Chung, baby. Yep. They were one of those bands from the 80s where you're like, oh, these guys were actually way more talented than their decade gave them credit for. It was not Michael Mann. Okay, so Michael Mann accused whoever did that of ripping him off for some reason. William Friedkin. He Didn't he direct The, the Exorcist? Yeah. Wow. 
So Man, he's all over the place. He's got some cojones to yeah. go after Billy Friedkin. Sure. Um, how do we get on that? Miami Vice? Yep. 1988. Yeah. So let's go over some stats. There was a study in 2015 of, uh, boy, talk about bad studies, 211 college students. Okay. So your study already trumps this one. <laughs> sort of. Uh, actually, it, yeah. Not, not even sort of. I would say legitimately the study you conducted is better than the one you're about to talk about. Uh, 18% of people experienced it, um, according to this survey, but... Most uh, experts say that's probably high because um, these are college students. They don't get a lot of sleep. Right. And that can affect, you know, whether or not you have this disorder or think you have it. Yeah, people who are sleep deprived are more likely to have it, I think. Yeah. Uh, psychiatric patients um, tend to have it a little more. 13 and more if you're talking about 10%, which is, I think, what generally people have settled on. You know, yeah, but... Just a little more, like 3% more, 4% more than the average yeah, healthy more. population. Yeah. You know something I thought was very weird that I saw? Um, people with other sleep disorders have it less frequently. Oh, really? Yeah. It's about 10% of people with sleep disorders have exploding head syndrome, but like 10.8% of the general huh. healthy population has it. So if you suffer from the one that we dare not speak its name, shh, shh, shh. then you are less likely to have this. I guess so, but apparently it does happen in conjunction okay. frequently. Interesting. Just not as frequently as people in the general population who have just exploding head syndrome. Gotcha. Uh, what else? There's um, Some people describe a, a, a physical sensation as well, like an electrical shock of sorts. Yeah, we should say, I don't know if we said it really explicitly enough. Like when you have this sound that wakes you up as you're about to fall asleep, yeah. and it is very clearly the sound of an explosion or cymbals crashing or a gunshot. Like again, you you're not there's no associated pain. Right. Like very most frequently the only physical symptom is your heart pounding because you're scared to death. It would just be like if someone came in with cymbals in your bedroom mm -hmm. and smashed them together. But it, you would wake up and say you're a jerk. Right. But you wouldn't be in pain. Go back to bed, Stanley. <laughs> but I think, like, there's not even the attendant, like, pain in your ears. Right. I think it's strictly in your head. Yeah, yeah. I think so there's, right. like, almost no physical sensation, except for, the, like, the electrical thing you're about to make. <laughs> the electrical shock. Right. <laughs> just that. Yeah. Uh, and that's only in some people, and it's literally just a feeling of, of a, a current that starts at your torso or so, and... Torso or so? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mean that. Uh, and it travels up to the head. But again, not everyone experiences no. that. Uh, so I think it's the interesting part of this. I mean, that's interesting. But is where this possibly comes from and like the process of going to sleep. Yeah. All right, friendo. We definitely, I think, did a show on sleep. But as a recap, we we did. You're right. Um, it must not have been very memorable. When you're uh, when you go to sleep, it, it's not an instantaneous thing, as you likely know. You fall asleep, and they call it that for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a process. Yeah, that's true. Of your body kind of shutting down. I never really thought about that before, but that's that's a pretty accurate description. Yeah. Otherwise, they would call it lights out. Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say? Finding yourself asleep? I don't know. 
That's probably not right either. Um, or just becoming sleep. <laughs> yeah. Or sleep. Sleep. Insta sleep. <laughs> <laughs> are we doing good on this one? Not so much. All right. No, we are. We're fine. We're getting the facts out. We're just in, in cloaking them with a lot of BS. Okay. That's fine. Uh, all right. So when you fall asleep, your, your, your body slowly shuts down. Um, and the brain is, is kind of closing down each little store. Yeah. If it's a, let's say your brain is a small town. Okay. It's closing each store. Your brain is Sam the Night Watchman from today's special. <laughs> walking around, shutting lights out. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. Do you remember that show? No. Uh, it was probably way too young for you. It's called Today's Special? Mm-hmm. Kid show? Mm-hmm. And what was the idea that every day is special? Uh, there was like a mannequin that came alive and a, uh, just, it was weird. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. It, it took, it was set at, uh, at night in like a department store, I think. Oh, okay. So I guess today's special might have been like what was on sale. Gotcha. Oh, I was kind of young. That reminds me of my favorite book as a child that I read, hmm. The Great Christmas Kidnapping Caper. Well, I don't, I never read that one. It was wonderful. It was about, uh, three, I think three mice in New York City Mm -hmm. that broke into Macy's department store and lived there. Nice. And had great adventures in the department store overnight. And, uh, Santa was kidnapped and it's up to these mice to solve the, the crime. Oh, wow. And it was my first, like, book. You know, it wasn't a 10 page picture book. Right. It was a book book. And the first one I really read and was like, wow, this is amazing. Were the mice up to the challenge? Now, what do you think? I don't know. No, Santa died. <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that book. What a great memory. Yeah. That's why I'm glowing right now. Um, And you can enjoy it because you've been off the sauce for a little while. <laughs> you've been getting good sleep. I'm lucid. <laughs> uh, so when you are making that transition into sleep from being awake, your, your brain is closing down the little shop stores one at a time. And when you have exploding EHS, uh, that is, there's, there's something that happens. There's a glitch in the matrix, essentially, mm-hmm. where somewhere along that path of your brain walking around shutting it down, right. it just sort of trips up. Yeah. Um, so the, the part of your brain that is responsible for shutting things down bit by bit, region by region, uh-huh. it's called the, um, Brainstem reticular formation? Yes. Very ancient part of your brain, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they think that something goes wrong, like you're saying, when it's going through its duties and there's a glitch. Yeah. And, but the glitch that happens is the alpha waves that are associated with the beginning of relaxing for sleep. Yeah. Uh, are, They're good stuff. Are suppressed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's a huge burst of neural activity. In the region associated with hearing. Right. So your, your brain has a glitch. Your brain stem has a glitch while it's shutting your brain down for sleep. Yeah. And you hallucinate a very loud sound uh-huh. that startles you awake. Yeah. That's exploding head syndrome, right? Yeah. As and far again, as they know. Hallucinatory. Total hallucination. It doesn't exist. It's yeah. your, you, the neurons in your, um, in, in the region associated with hearing. Going haywire. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. What's crazy to me, though, Chuck, is that it's a glitch in in your system, mm-hmm. but that it it 
it can happen in different people. It's not like one person has like a malfunctioning like yeah, yeah. part of their brainstem. Like that process can malfunction in exactly the same way across people. Yeah. It says something about the architecture of the brain. What it says, I don't know. Yeah. But it surely says something that that, that glitch can happen in different people in yeah. the same way. I just think that's fascinating. It totally is. Uh, and that theory that we talked about is, well, first of all, they, they don't know for sure because it's so rare and it's such a non, uh, I mean, it's invasive, but it's not threatening. Uh, yeah. That they, you don't spend a lot of time studying stuff like this if it's not super threatening. No, but they used to think it's rare. They don't necessarily know if it's rare any longer. Right. It's just it hasn't been studied for, okay. for like, there's been basically four, five papers on it. So no one cares. Apparently not, because it's not life-threatening at all. Yeah. It's not even harmful. It's a benign condition. It's just very surprising. And apparently people learn to live with it, at least ones on Facebook. Oh, no. They all said they're in living hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that theory is the one that is most agreed upon right now. But some of the others over the years um, include uh, a, a shift of the middle ear components. Wrong. Or an ear dysfunction, maybe, mm. at the root. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. Um, they've done EEG testing to rule out, uh, which did rule out, uh, temporal lobe seizures. Mm-hmm. Epilepsy. Yeah, but not nope. the case. No. Uh, and what's another one? There was one more uh, uh, that it could be a side effect of drugs, right? Yeah, drug withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, uh, benzodiazepines. Or it could have to do with, um, c- calcium ion channels. Right. And calcium ion transportation, which, I think we've talked about it before, like calcium does a lot of stuff in our brains. Yeah. Um, and throughout our bodies. I think that that's not necessarily discarded. It could be the mechanism that it happens by. So it's on the table? Yeah. I, for me. Yeah. I'm a fan of that one. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. The, uh, reticular formation and calcium ions could go hand in hand. Yeah. You know what's funny to me? I was thinking about when I was prepping for this, how, Whenever there's a, usually a medical podcast where there's different theories, mm-hmm. you and I are always like, well, this is the one I, I've got my money on this one. <laughs> right. And it's just armchair, you know, doctoring, of course. Well, sure. But, um. But I feel like I could heal somebody if I really try. <laughs> Faith Just through my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do if, um, you have this? Well, um, one of the funny things, in the Atlantic article, which I sent, and in our own article, they said, quite often, simply being diagnosed and told by your doctor, yes, you have exploding head syndrome, and no, it will not hurt you at all. At all. Can cease the exploding head syndrome. Yeah, people will go into remission. Which indicates to me that stress has something to do with it. Yeah, I could definitely see how if you if you worry about it, it yeah. could affect your sleep and then once your sleep is affected, you're more prone to keep having it. Yeah, the cycle. A, a lot of people who this happens to um mistake it for a stroke right. or that they've developed epilepsy or something like that. Uh-huh. And so they will go get um they will seek out medical help for that. Yeah. And hopefully the doctor has heard of exploding head syndrome and can recognize the symptoms. Yeah, or at the very least, you can self-diagnose and take that to your doctor because they love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, tell them you Googled it. Mm-hmm. Like when he starts to talk, just be like, shh, shh. <laughs> doctors love that. Uh, it is also not to be confused with PTSD, uh, something we did. A, I thought it was a really good show, actually. 
I, I want to say when he or she starts to talk. Sure. Say, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. Um, uh, remember the PTSD? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. And um, it's not to be confused with that, even though similar things can happen with PTSD. It's usually um, some kind of a flashback. And with exploding head, it's not associated with any no anything like that. And it's just a straight up hallucination. There's no memory associated with it. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what they will say is sleep hygiene. Work on it. Yeah, brush your teeth while you sleep. <laughs> no, sleep hyg- I think hygiene's uh, one of the most disgusting words in the English language. Interestingly, it is gross, even though that means. It's like paradoxical to its meaning. Yeah. The the word itself, it the does. sound, the feel of it, it the does. look of it. I totally agree. Gross word. Hygiene sounds... I think because when I hear hygiene, I think you're usually hearing it because there's poor hygiene. Maybe. People, you know, you say like, oh, you got some good hygiene going on. Yeah. You smell wonderful. I always think of it as in relation to like eugenics. You know, like that oh. kind of thought sure. pattern. Yeah. Hygiene. You know, so sleep hygiene is a weird, <laughs> gross way of saying uh, best practices to fall asleep. Sure, and that means um, a regular schedule. You know, sleep all the schedule. usual stuff. Yeah, like like uh, draw the blinds, mm-hmm. make it quiet. And this one, not reading in bed. That yeah. one to me, it's like no. If I read in bed, it's like I might as well have just taken a handful of Valium. Well, reading a, a book, book, <laughs> sure, but a screen has been shown to. Keep you awake. Well, some recommendations are that you don't even read books in bed. That oh, you really? you train yourself to associate bed with s- just sleep. No man, so I'm that with when you. you get into I bed, read a book and I'm you're done. Just, you're like, well, I'm sleeping. Yeah, not for all people though. Like if you have bad insomnia, they'll recommend you don't do anything but sleep in bed. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah, like they say, take the TV out of your room. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, but no, I I'd be like, you're a fool. I can just read a book instead. I, I will never have insomnia because as yeah. long as there are books, bound books are around, <laughs> I'm good. Um, what always kills me is when I see friends on Facebook like 3 a.m. total insomnia. Like, put your phone down. Yeah, you're you're being counterproductive because it's not just keeping your brain engaged in thinking. Yeah, apparently that blue spectrum light mm-hmm. really does something to your brain. Yeah, and it's not good. Uh, what else? No booze or coffee after five? Yeah, only booze before five. Yeah, I was like, that's happy hour. I think they were saying, yeah. Eh, say no booze after five. I mean, if you got to sleep a parasomnia, you're, you didn't go to great lengths. You're going to skip happy hour, maybe, <laughs> to get some sleep. Um, do we have anything else in here? We do not. All right. I think that's so great that you conducted a study. Hats off to you. I think it's funny that you thought that was so great. I, I was, I'm just impressed. All right. Uh, if you want to know more about parasomnias like uh, exploding head syndrome, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. So instead of listener mail, I conducted another study. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right. This is, uh, this is, I thought this is really neat. This is Chernobyl. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for the fantastic podcast on radiation sickness and for talking a bit about the Chernobyl disaster. Uh, it really captured my imagination. As a little girl, I remember one of my primary school teachers telling the class the disaster would mean the end of life as we know it, and it terrified me. Uh, anyway, as the years went by, my interest grew, and back in 2013, I finally took the plunge 
and booked myself a trip to Kiev to go and visit the disaster site. Wow. And she said something uh, about, I had to edit this because it was long, it was good, but something about how, you know, I know that probably sounds weird um, as a vacation, but she yeah, said, I mean, if I'm a really, little like uh, If you're into it, that's an that awesome way. vacation. Uh, the exclusion zone around Chernobyl is about 10 miles in each direction. It's largely deserted, although I was surprised to find that there are still people living and working there. Uh, the nearby town of uh, Pripyat is completely abandoned and very eerie, to say the least. We spent the day carefully walking on concrete and trying not to touch uh, any of the moss growing between the concrete because it's highly radioactive. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd be a little concerned for uh, as a visit. Oh, yeah. As a visitor. It's an extremely dangerous visit. Uh, we were able to get surprisingly close to the destroyed site as well. It was a very somber experience. Uh, there were a couple of very unnerving things that I learned that day that have stuck with me. Uh, the government of the then USSR tried to cover up the accident, didn't tell the people of Pripyat, that they uh, needed to evacuate for two whole days, mm. inevitably causing many more deaths from radiation sickness than the inevitable. Um, there were several reactors at uh, Chernobyl. Uh, reactor 4 blew up. Reactor 4 was right next to Reactor 3, which they thought was going to blow up. Had Reactor 3 blown up, it really would have been the end of life as we know it. Europe uh, would have become completely uninhabitable. We all owe our lives to the unsung heroes who sacrificed himself to save Reactor 3 and save Europe. Wow. Uh, much love. That is Kate, Nottingham, England. And Kate is coming to see us in Manchester. Awesome, Kate. Thanks a lot for that email. That's a really cool um, vacation. Yeah, she, she took her mom, her mom, <clears throat> and sent photos and had a lot more to the email. Super interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Kate. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us like Kate did, let us know about your super cool vacation. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Instagram, too, at the same handle. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com, participate in our studies that Chuck conducts at Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast.howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.